0: Okay. Thank you very much. My name's Al. I'm an alcoholic. Al. I'm glad to be here sober, uh, not drinking. Uh, I'm a 10 minute speaker. So right now I've got, uh, 10 minutes going down to nine. Uh, <laughs> I just like to say, I, I, I'm a grateful alcoholic because I, I've got a, a program and, uh, For me, uh, the first step uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous is uh, admitting defeat. Uh, The 12 and 12 says, who cares to admit uh, complete defeat? So the removal of the obsession to drink uh, happened for me uh, when I was dry and i felt so guilty because i was stealing money from my brother i made an amends and as i recall that's when the obsession left me now i don't know how you can get the obsession to drink removed except whatever your version of being in complete defeat means for me it meant uh, making an amends and it also my wife left me with five kids. uh, And uh, that shook me up uh, quite a bit. Uh, That was a a part of my defeat. So the obsession to drink uh, is really key. And if you have the obsession to drink, uh, get one of these guys that, that know the program and you can just tell them you have the obsession to drink uh, give them a call. There's lots. There's a numbers list you can call. You know what? If you have a person in mind and you don't get through to them, just go down to the next one and the next one and the next one until you get somebody. And you know what? I found out that you get the right answer that way. I don't know. It's serendipity. You know, it's kind of like a little miracle that happens. I had that happen to me. I went down a list. I wanted to call one person, but I couldn't get through to them. And I I, uh, went down the list and I got the guy and he made complete uh, sense. And uh, so, um, you know, practicing the the program, I think the the real anchor is, the beginning is losing that obsession to drink. And uh, I don't know how many people here are sitting here having an obsession to drink. If you're going back out and drinking and you don't want to, uh, that's pretty crazy isn't it uh, to want to go back out and drink uh, when you don't want to I would say if I were in that condition I'm out of control uh, I'm not in control of this thing it has complete control over me so the first step uh, was very important in my uh, sobriety uh, I have not had it in a session for, to drink for a long, long time, and, uh, even when I was doing, uh, uh naughty things, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I still didn't have that obsession to drink, you know, uh, it says, uh, somewhere in the book, the road gets narrower, and, uh, you know, so at first it was pretty broad, and then as, as my, uh, uh, sober years uh, uh, unfolded the uh, the road got more and more narrow now the road is pretty narrow but with all, all things my higher power is it's possible to get uh, anything done that I need to get now I'm 77 years old I'm married I have a peaceful home you know having a peaceful home is very very important to me And so what I've learned to say to my wife is uh, you may be right. Yes, dear. I'm going to the other room for a few minutes, (laughs) you know, uh, to keep the peace. Uh, It's like the guy said, would you rather be uh, right or would you rather be peaceful? So uh, uh, that's about all I have to say about step one. So I think my time is about up. Uh, All the way from the 18th century, we have Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr for our main speaker tonight. Aaron? Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) I'm not really Aaron Burr. I'm Burr Middleton, okay? And I've been a drunk for a long, long time. I'm not drunk now. But like I said, I've been a drunk for a long, long time. Let me see the hands of former bar drinkers or bottle babies in the audience. Do we have any here? But you're in the right place. Now, my dear friend who brought me into this particular situation this evening, Mr. Less, who's sitting up front, tells me that we want to know what it used to be like, what happened, and how it is today. First of all,
0: I have to announce
1: this, I'm 82 years of age. How in the hell I became 82, I don't know. (laughs) especially through that sea of alcohol that I was in, for 55, count them, 55 years of drinking. So I stopped when I was 71. That was on September 14th, 2012. So far, everything is great. I haven't had a drink since. Don't you think it was about time that I stopped at 71 after having ruined everything for 55 years? They also say there's such a thing as a Functioning alcoholic. What the hell is a functioning alcoholic? Yes, I worked all through those years, but I did terrible work. I had terrible hangovers, shakes, like we all have had. I really don't like a lot of drunkologues out of me because I've heard so many drunkologues. I've been in this program since I was sixteen years of age. And let me tell you how it all started. Who can remember that Marvelous elixir called Olympia beer. Anyone? Anyone remember Olympia beer? It comes from the state of Washington. Our brothers and sisters up there, up north. It's the tum water that makes it good. That used to be their catchphrase in advertising: the tum water that makes it good. First of all, it is pure schwill and swill, all right. (laughs) For you beer drinkers, and that was my drug of choice. There's no body to that beer. It's like drinking water. Can after can after can. Here I am, 16 years old. But remember, I had the first one, and the first one is what got me hooked. It kept me hooked on and off all of those years. Now, I also used various excuses to drink. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Using the excuse to drink? It's kind of an easy thing to do, especially if you're a family person or whatever. Well, When I was 18 years old, a terrible thing happened to me. My dear mother, who I truly loved, committed suicide. Not a very pleasant situation. Now, I used to tell people that started me off. That didn't start me off. I was drinking two or three years before my mother ever died. That was just a phony excuse to pile it on. Next, at the age of 22, I get involved in this little conflict that we had in Southeast Asia. You may have read about it in all the papers. I happen to be in a spot called Cambodia. Ah! But we were never in Cambodia, were we? Actually, I was down from Laos, right on the La Ocean border in the upper part of Cambodia. And we were combat folks. We're not going to go into details because AA meetings are not for the details. But you can imagine what the details were. It so happens that I had a father who never raised me. I was raised by my crazy show business mother. She used to be a Goldwyn girl, by the way, at the old Goldwyn Studios, a wonderful showgirl.
0: And her father,
1: here's a little history. My grandfather's, his name was Charles Middleton. He was a well-known character actor. If you remember the old Flash Gordon serials, he played Ming the Merciless with that Fu Manchu mustache and the bald head. Now that was my mother's father. My mother's mother was a vaudevillian from the old days of vaudeville. And those two folks, my grandmother and grandfather had this great vaudeville act. But my father's parents who were non-actors, non-show business people lived right over here where my hand is pointing right now, Pasadena Avenue and Foothill Boulevard. It's that beautiful old house over on the left-hand corner. So I would spend every summer, as a youth here in Glendora and unfortunately through her lifetime my mother had various bouts with mental illnesses that would put her into sanitariums and things like that. She was one of the first guinea pigs in the state of California to experience shock treatment, electric shock treatment. Folks, that's not the way to go, okay? Believe me, I was there. I watched a lot of that stuff. But when she would have these bouts, then I'm off to Glendora. Beautiful, lovely Glendora. At that time, there were only 3,500 or 4,000 people in this town. That's all. And they were either from Texas, Arkansas, or Oklahoma. They followed each other out here and they made their little community here. What do we have here in Glendora now? 50,000? Something like that. Pretty close to it. So. I'm getting a little bit off the alcoholic situation but remember i'm drinking now i'm 16 years old and i'm drinking through all of these situations and of course i think that it's normal i think that everybody drinks the way i did well they didn't now when i say beer i mean gallons of beer sure it took a lot to get me drunk because as we well know the only saving grace that beer has is that it's mainly water I wasn't drinking that hard stuff. I never did drugs because I've been in the jazz music industry among other industries all of my life and I saw what drugs did to other people. And I was a fraidy cat. I stuck to that good old, that good old sticky kid stuff. And believe me, I did a lot of it. I saw a career fade, a career that started out well. By the way, I've been married to the same woman for 56 years now that is her doing. Anyone else would have left me a million years ago. That woman, that lovely little woman, she's about 74 now, she said, if I knew what an alcoholic you were, I would never have married you. If she was just an innocent 18 year old girl when I married her, overseas. All right, let's go back to the military. Has anybody seen Oliver Stone's picture? Platoon, anybody? It's a masterpiece. I think you know that the role that, uh, that Mr. Charlie Sheen played was actually that's Oliver's story. You know, there was a lot of hell raised within the ranks of the military at that time, both with booze and with drugs. Washington did not like that picture at all because it showed the GIs to be what they really were at that time. By the way, this is not me braggadocio or whatever. But it just so happens that I narrated the movie Nixon for Oliver Stone. Alright? And that was another party time. Here's another thing. Back in those drinking days, and probably in your drinking days too, you make such terrible decisions. Think about the rash, awful decisions that you've made. Now you've heard doctors tell you that you may be sober for a month or a month and a half, but you still have that stuff swishing around in your brain somewhere, and manufacturing these little things in your body. So you're going to make a rash decision. You're going to sign off your home. You're going to sign off your business or whatever because your brain is not functioning like it was meant to function. Anybody agree with me on that one? I didn't preface this by telling you that there's some things that I'm going to say tonight that are my personal opinions and personal opinions only. You may not agree with them. It's just me and the way I look at it. Now, AA got me sober. Folks like you gathered right here tonight. But, and this, this word or the two words, higher power, which we hear in this, in these meetings all the time, that would be what we used to call the man upstairs. And don't get me wrong, I'm not throwing religion at you. This is not a, this is not a religious camp meeting. It's an AA meeting. But. A combination of AA and that higher power have kept me sober below these almost 11 years. I didn't get to the fact where I couldn't function and I couldn't work and that sort of thing because suddenly when I was really down down on the pavement and I mean down on the pavement for work for my relationship with my son and my wife and my family and so on and so forth suddenly a little light bulb went on in my head and I stopped and you know the old story. You stop. You stop for six months. You stop for twelve months. You stop for fourteen months. And what happens? I went right back out there again. What triggered it? I don't know. I can't. I can't tell you what triggered it. It, it, it just. I was gone. And when I was gone, I was gone for six months, eight months, twelve months, <clears throat> and then right back. Sobriety. Sobriety was the phrase of the day, and AA stayed sober for several years, went back out, in, out, in, out. You know the story. Until, I just told you the date. If you can look at it. September 14th, 2012. I think the man upstairs with the higher power, it's either a he or a she, by the way, it's probably a she, as far as I know, said <laughs> so this boy has had enough. This boy here. And that was it. Now at 82, why would I want to get drunk? First of all, I don't know how the hell I'd handle it. I don't think I could handle it very well. You know, I'd probably be falling down after one drink or something. And there's all this stuff about when you first stop, you say to yourself, oh, I'm not gonna have any fun anymore. I'm not gonna be with the gang. What, what is fun? Being pulled over by the police and arrested for a 502? I've had three of them. I had one in Dallas, Texas, two here from the highway patrol here in California, in Los Angeles. And believe me, you do not want to be in jail for a drunk driving arrest in Dallas, Texas, because those big Texas cops, and they're all about six feet seven, they really throw the book at you. Uh, I made a mistake. By the way, I was in the same cell block where Lee Harvey Oswald was. when Jack Ruby blew him away, unfortunately, after the uh, JFK assassination. So innocently, I went over to a water cooler just to you know bend over and take a drink of water. And this big Texas cop came down on me with a telephone book. By the way, a telephone book doesn't leave any scars or bruises, it's, it's an old police trick. Sorry, I'm, I'm offending any police, uh, policeman in the audience. He said, hey boy, did I tell you you could have that water? I said, uh, no, sir, get back in that cell. That's the way it goes in Texas. They don't take any guff. Okay? I'm rambling, I know, but there's a lot of things up in my head that have been going on all those 55 years. Now then, after my mother's suicide, I'm 19 years old. I turned 19 the following month. And at that time, I was really drinking hard. I didn't care about anything. The world could, I I just, I, I wanted to be out of it. So I go up to Las Vegas, and at that time, there were two mobs that ran Vegas. The Italian mob run by Johnny Roselli, who I worked for, and the Jewish mob run by a man named Mo Dalitz. And Mo Dalitz was from Cleveland, and Mo Dalitz was a pretty rough character. Now what they called me up there, and I'm not trying to pull a tough guy act on you or anything because trust me, I'm not a tough guy at heart. I called myself an enforcer slash entertainer. That's kind of an odd thing to figure out. Now, an enforcer is not a hitman, okay? We all know what a hitman is. An enforcer is the lovely guy who usually has a big guy along with him, who comes up to your hotel room when you haven't settled up your gambling debt with the house, and he gives you two warnings. You better settle your debt. Now, the third warning that's when you break his legs or his arms. Isn't that lovely? And Mo, I'm 19 years old, learning all this. Mo Dalitz told me, he brought me into the audience and he said, hey kid, are you an enforcer? Or are you an entertainer? I said, I'm both, I, you know, I can do both. He said, no, you can't. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you're an alcoholic, right? I said, how'd you know that? He said, I'm watching you kid. He said, I see how you drink at our parties. You don't drink like normal people drink. He said, now, a gambler has the same disease that you have, only it's gambling, not alcohol. So you and uh, Stubby, are great brute here, you may have broken some guy's legs six months ago, but that doesn't stop the guy from coming back to Las Vegas with his wife, just like the alcoholic, going back to booze, and he's going to gamble again. So he's going to walk in and see you singing in some lounge up there and say, wait a minute. That's the guy that had my legs broken six months ago. He's going to go to the cops, the cops are going to go to the FBI, and the FBI is going to close down Vegas, and that's the end of it. So you are got to make your mind up. You're going to be an enforcer or an entertainer. I said, I'll take entertainer. So that got me out of the tough guy business. This is still a Las Vegas tie that I'm wearing after all these years. I still dress like a Las Vegas hood. By the way, it's hood, not hood, hood for hoodlum. Just just so you get that straight. Not a way to go. But when you're drinking booze like that, you make these stupid decisions. You see somebody on the screen. Remember back in the old days, uh, well, not this is a fairly young audience here, but always on the old days, the hero or the heroine, and I don't mean heroin addict, I mean a woman who's a hero, they're always smoking or drinking. you ever notice Humphrey Bogart always has a cigarette? Or seven cigarettes in his mouth when he does this, or any, any of the actresses or whatever that was means of sophistication it was sophisticated to be a drunk well it's not sophisticated to be a drunk we all know that now one thing that I want to say and I was thinking about it last night this program is the greatest thing first of all on the planet that's ever battled alcoholism Beverly Hills by the way I'm wearing the Beverly Hills polo club out here There's no such thing as a Beverly Hills Polo Club, my friends. That's like saying the Palm Springs Yacht Club. I mean, you know, (laughs) give me a break. Uh, And I've lost my train of thought, which I do, because they call it the senior moment. But uh, what happens is, if you don't make up your mind personally that you want to stop drinking, I hate to say this, and a lot of you are going to disagree with me, and please don't hate me. This program is not gonna help you. You've got to make your mind up. It has to be within you that you wanna stop. And why do you wanna stop? Well, you know, you throw up in the morning, you've fought with your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you've ruined your business associates, Uh, everything has gone down the drain, you've lost anything that was near and dear to you. Isn't it fun to be a drunk? We used to have a saying in the program, good news for drunks. Well, the good news for drunks is AA. And I just want to say the old cliche, trust me now, you are in the right place. You are in the right place. And if you're a newcomer, I think I remember a few newcomers coming up to this microphone here just a few moments ago. Please stay with it. Don't think we're a bunch of old fogies who don't have any fun because we do have a lot of fun around here. Hell, I know it's a serious disease, and it is a serious and it relates it, it, to your life. How do you want to live the rest of your life? Do you want to live the rest of your life like you've lived it so far? Don't worry, I'm not going to use the F word. But you F it up, right? Haven't you? I did. I mean, I was up in nowheresville. That's the way it was. What happened? Suddenly, after all those years... I talked to the man upstairs, I read the big book. By the way, that big blue book has more information than you'll ever find anywhere about this program. You know, there are many doctors, many fine doctors who still don't understand this disease. They don't have a clue. That book has a clue. That tells it like it is. We used to have an old expression. It borders on the religious, but the old expression was, I'm going to tell you what the Lord told John. that's a real old-time expression okay that that goes back to the 1920s so I am going to tell you that you are in the right place and I just got to the the point where I surrendered there are some meetings we have them in Van Nuys by the way I don't live in Glendora I live in the marvelous city of Van Nuys which is now the gang capital of the San Fernando Valley (laughs) let me tell you something in beautiful Glendora and I love Glendora I'm always out here for the Holiday Stroll. Anyone participate in the Holiday Stroll in November? And then I come back for the Christmas Parade, and I ride in the Christmas Parade, thanks to the folks at the Glendora Historical Society. We ride on one of those great old uh, fire engines. And now I'm here because I told Les I'd be here. And you better adhere to Les. (laughs) Let me tell you that right now. All right, Uh, It's just... It has to be within you. In my clubhouse in Van Nuys, which is called the Valley Club, the infamous Valley Club, if you've ever heard of it. We had a big fist fight in there about a week ago. <laughs> we don't want to go into that one. But it's, it's pretty rough out there, man. It, like I say, it's it's the gang capital of the San Fernando Valley, but it is interesting. You do meet some interesting characters out there. On the wall, was a picture of Albert Einstein the great Albert Einstein and it's the famous shot of him where he's up to the blackboard with the chalk and he's writing the uh, theory of relativity Uh, now some wiseacre in in AA has changed the caption and that's actually what you know what Einstein was really writing on the blackboard but the caption reads if you don't drink you won't get drunk (laughs) Well, if it comes from Einstein, man, I mean, Einstein was a pretty, pretty hip, hip, nifty cat, wasn't he? I think so. Let's go back to the jazz. The jazz that I've played through the years. I worked with some very fine players. And, of course, unfortunately, in the modern jazz field, the big thing was always drugs. And they always scared me because I, I watched people go downhill. Us old Dixielanders, we, you know, we were hardcore boozers. We were whiskey bottle throwers and gin bottle throwers and that type of stuff. So that takes care of that situation. We've taken care of the Las Vegas situation, which I got out of. I go back to the days when Sinatra was up there and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin and the old Rat Pack. Now, I go up to Las Vegas and I look on the strip. I don't recognize any of those people. They're all hip hop artists. (laughs) Hip hop, I like it, but it's not about my form of music. Anyway, we've covered the conflict in Southeast Asia. Uh, I've told you what happened. From the bottom of my heart, and some of you probably think this guy doesn't have a sincere bone in his body. It's not true. I, I really do have. From the bottom of my heart, I hope that you'll stay, you newcomers, in this program. Because I think probably you've gotten to the point where you know you can't handle it. That stuff, meaning alcohol, was made for a very, very small percentage of people. They use it as a social lubricant. They may have one or two drinks at a party. Who the hell ever had one or two drinks? (laughs) You ever met somebody for lunch and they say, well, we're going to have a wine. And you know what? That's what they have. They have one glass of wine and they don't have anything else. Those are what we call normies. You've heard that term. We're not normies. You know that by now. I mean, I, 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 I just can't even believe the amount of booze that I fractured myself with all of those years for nothing, for no gain. And the reason why in the beginning of this so-called spiel, I said, uh, are there any bottle babies out there or bar drinkers. Now for you bar drinkers have you ever sat down really and figured out how much that habit would cost you on a yearly basis? I did. It cost me from five to $7,000 a year to drink in bars. And that's beer bars, not fancy cocktail lounges. My 502s, the last 502 I got, I was very sad about Mother's Day because I was thinking about my mother and how she passed and so on and so forth. Now you're going to love this one. So I got together with a good friend of mine and I, I went into a supermarket. By the way, when I used to be sober for long periods of time, when I'd go into supermarkets, suddenly something would come over me and I you know I'd start to shake and everything because I'd see a rack and it would say twenty-four uh, cans of beer for two seventy-seven. Boy, I, was, I just couldn't wait to get to even though it was warm beer you had to take it home and, and chill it well anyway on this particular Mother's Day I, I tried this awful awful stuff and I hope one of the representatives isn't here this evening I doubt if they are it's called Paps Blue Ribbon you ever heard of it, it, it it's the worst beer that was it, it's like lucky lager or it's the worst possible beer that could ever be brewed but it's cheap and it does the job. So I was so proud of myself. I paid something like 275 for a 12 pack. And of course I proceeded to drink that entire 12 pack. I got on the road about two o'clock in the morning driving from Santa Monica back over the 405 to Van Nuys where I live. And naturally that was my last deuce. A highway patrol pulled me over. It was a motorcycle officer who was just getting off duty But he happened to be following me and he noticed that i was driving too carefully have you ever heard that you can drive too carefully something's wrong with that the way i was changing lanes and everything so he pulled over so that little 275 i think that's what i said it was for a 12 pack that cost me seven to eight thousand dollars uh my insurance went up for seven years i had to pay for all these drunk driving schools that i had to go through that's more money So you could probably total it up to about a $10,000 deal. Think what you can buy for $10,000. You can really treat yourself, you know? That was my big evening. Big evening with the Caps Blue Ribbon 12-pack. And that's when I just said to myself, it was so awful because I wound up once again in the Van Nuys Jail over on Sylvan Street. Why am I doing this to myself? Why have I been doing this to myself all of my life? It doesn't make sense it's it's utter insanity it is absolute insanity just sit down and think about it for a while now i'm not talking about a beer bust when you get together with the guys and the gals down at the beach and you're frolicking in the sun and that type of stuff i'm I'm not talking about that i'm talking about hardcore drinking whether it's wine uh, gin bourbon beer or whatever whatever you think does the job for you it doesn't work We weren't made for it. Folks right here under this tarp here, we we just weren't made for it. Our bodies don't handle it. Our brains don't handle it. But it takes forever to finally figure that out. And that's what happened to me. I did figure it out. How is it today? This is not braggadocio again, and I'm not about to rattle off a bunch of credits or anything. That's to me like listening to a drunkologue. Aren't really boring though most of them? They really are, let's think about it. Because they're all the same. We've all had the same, usually. Today, I'm still working. Uh, I did, I don't know if any of you've seen this biopic on Elvis Presley. It came out a couple of months ago. Uh, we did all kinds of voices in that. I'm still in the voiceover game. I still character act for a while and, and I still, I play in Canada. I play in Japan and I also play down under in Australia. We play jazz music, we go on tours down there. Of course, COVID has cut that right in half, even more in half, maybe let's say a quarter. But we're coming back now. I don't plan to retire today. This comes under the heading of how it is today. If my health tells me in a few years that I'm going to retire, naturally I'll have to retire. By the way, I'm looking for real estate any of you are realtors out there, or whatever, in Glendora. Glen Glendora is really where I want to retire in a few years. I'm not going to be able to do what I do right now five to ten years from now, if I'm even around. So I want a little cottage in Glendora, just a nice little cottage, not a three-bedroom, two-car garage. I just You know what a little cottage looks like. Even if the living room could double as a bedroom, too. My wife that I've been married to for 56 years, she wouldn't mind. Here lies the rub. These little cottages in Glendora are eight or $900,000. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of my story. I've kind of run out of steam. I hope that I didn't bore you to death. And in closing, I do want to say this. Again, I'm repeating myself, and it's not my age that's doing that. Please, if you're a newcomer, try this what the hell do you have to lose you tried the other for years and years and it didn't work did it all you have to do is give that stuff up there's an amazing amount of fun that you can have if you're still young if you're not drinking you can have the time of your lives if you just get it in your so-called noggins and noggin is a real old-time expression for those of you who don't know what it means it means you're your head you can get it through your brain you're going to stop bang I know it's hard you're gonna have to taper off I did it the hard way because I'm a hard old bastard okay now that's the worst (laughs) word that I've used tonight but that's what I am I did it cold turkey I do not suggest that I really don't you have to taper off you get into AA which you are right now you get yourself a sponsor you get the big book the big blue book i don't see it up here usually it's on, on a stand but one other thing some of the meetings that we have in the valley even though it's dangerous around there we have a white flag out there it stands for the flag of surrender because that's what you've done you, you've surrendered you've had it you don't want it anymore so you get yourself a sponsor if you have someone that you have to talk to about this disease Look at this! Look at this crowd that we have here tonight. We're all experts. We're absolute experts on alcoholism. No one knows more about alcoholism than we do. It's a fact. Even the doctors come to the meetings. Keep coming to the meetings. You get to know people. You get to like people. You get to have fun. In the summertime, I don't know what this group does in the summer. Whether they have big bonfires or whatever, or take trips to the beach, or so on and so forth. Or The Lord only knows. But AA is not the end of your life. It's not a drone, heavy sort of a thing. It can be a happy thing. And your lives can be 10 times, maybe 25 times better than you've ever known them to be. Listen, at this point, that booze, all that booze, no matter what it is, I wouldn't even wash my socks with it, let alone drink it, okay? So well, that's all from me, and, and I wish you well, and the old cliche of Godspeed, and so on and so forth. And please, here is our edict keep coming back. It works. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Let's give Alan Burr a hand for a great meeting. Yeah. I'm your grapevine rep. We got any grapevines to turn back in? I gave a lot out. Oh, you're all takers. That's okay. We got a lot to give. You know, and uh, two years for 54 bucks. One year cut it in half, and uh, give it give it give it away to a recovery house, of just a newcomer, to some locked lockdown. Uh, meeting in a, in a print, you can't beat it, you know, and uh... Tina, where are, where are you? Come on, bring this stuff. <laughs> we got a couple books we want to raffle off. What do we
3: got? Oh, we got some vintage material. Yeah, just... Oh, my goodness. Is this? Oh, this is real vintage. Hey, this is like—it doesn't even have a cover. It's the 24 Hours. Wow. Okay, pick one. one. Oh, and then we have a pass it on. Pass it on. Okay, the ticket is. 16, 15, 22. 16, 15, 22. Oh, wait a minute. I have a couple in my pocket, sorry. <laughs> oh,
2: Pick another
4: one.
3: Wow.
4: Come on uh, It's not me. Um.
3: Yeah, it's not me. It? Jesse. Go on, give him that thing. 16, 15, 22. 16, 15, what? 22. 22. Going once. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's,
2: he's, he's got it. it? He's got it. Oh, All right. Does, does he need know. this vintage uh, 24, 24 hours?
3: Hour All right.
2: Two.
3: Okay, next one. And it probably has some underlining in there. He looks like a real old timer good. with that. Flip
2: notes. He is an old timer.
3: That was jeans. That's Jean. That was jeans. Nostalgia. Okay, 16, 16, and 28. 16, 16, and 28? Here, 16, Wow, look at this. Look at this. It's almost its almost an un—it's unmarked vintage. Pass it on. This is Bill's story from from the time he was born until his death. That's a history book, and it's actually really good. If you want to read the history, there's three books. It's Pass It On, and then Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, and then A.A. Comes of Age. So you kind of want to read it in that that, uh, sequence. Character one, character two. Boy, we had a character here tonight. I'd like to hear him read the big book.
1: Right. Did Did you read it?
3: I thought I heard. I thought I recognized his voice. He he was the reader for the um, big book. Okay. Are we gonna years ago? He says. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you you so much for um, participating in our raffle each week. We have um, a few more books next week. We'll have Joe and Charlie. We have a couple of um, tapes, cassettes, and and um, different things. So thank you so much.
2: I'm less alcoholic. We need, uh, let's, uh, we need help cleaning up afterwards. And if you're interested in participating in our meeting and you want to be of service, see me or uh, Fernando afterwards. And let's give uh, a hand to, to the cookers and the, all the people that brought food. Yes, yes. And uh, with that, uh, Mike, you want to come up and read the, the closing prayer? Promises here. It's right at the end, I can't, I got all these, these gloves on and I can there we go. Yeah, well that's the problem. Where's our promises? They open it, it should be right here at the end.
4: Yeah, you can do it, I can't do it. Alright, thanks, guys. Hey everybody, I'm an alcoholic, we Mike. Hi Mike. And here are the promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the the scale we, we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook on life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. After a moment of silence for the alcoholic and for the family members who are still suffering, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right, hey, keep coming back everybody. All
0: right. Sure. Yeah. very much, my name's Tim. Tim. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. Thank you.